Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. That doesn't make sense. How many of you guys have ever, ever, ever uh, said that to yourself, either internally or out loud? How many of you guys ever said that? That doesn't make sense. Now, I, I've had some really deep philosophical questions that I've had in my life that have led me to that statement that that does not make sense. Like for, for most of you guys, you know, I wear flip-flops all the time. And when I wear shoes like I do this morning, I feel claustrophobic. Like I feel like I, 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 I put my shoes on this morning and I didn't want to put my shirt on, but I thought I got to stand up in front of them and I, I got to put my shirt on, right? So I, I, I want to rip stuff. I mean, it's just, it's just really claustrophobic. That doesn't make sense to me. Right, right. So I, I am I am going to be 49 this year. I know that's amazing because how good I look. But, but I'm going to be 49. About four or five years ago, I developed two allergies. Now I'm in my I'm 44, 45 years old. I develop an allergy to denim. You guys ever heard of that? It's a real thing. I, I put on jeans one day and I'm fine. I put on jeans the next day and I break out. And so I'm like, what's going on? So I put them on the next day, and I'm continuing just to break out, break out. I realize I have an allergy to denim. Isn't that crazy? It's ridiculous. Who would have thought that does not make sense to me? And then around the same time, I developed an allergy that I really hate, and, I'm, you know, it just frustrates the crap out of me. But I've developed an allergy to peanuts. Can't have peanut butter. Can't do any of that. I spent 44 years of my life enjoying peanut butter, right, enjoying eating peanuts. And now I can't, and that makes sense. That doesn't make sense to me. I, I, I remember one time we were in the we were in the church van. On, we're taking all the students home on a Wednesday night, and some and I'm driving down the road, and all of a sudden my lips start tingling. My all of a sudden my throat starts closing up. I'm thinking, Good Lord, what's going on? Well, a student had opened a Reese cup in the van, and I'm thinking, Oh my gosh! So so being the kind, courteous man I am. I just rolled down my window and stuck my head out while I'm driving down the road so that I don't die driving these kids home. It's, it's ridiculous. It's crazy. So those are some things that, 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 that I say, you know what, that doesn't make sense. Also, some of the things that I have thought about is, is why when you go outside and you spend a lot of time outside, why does the sun lighten your hair but it darkens your skin? That doesn't make sense, right? Why does it... Why does it do that? Why can't women, and I'm going to tread very carefully here, easy, easy. Why can't women put on mascara with their mouths closed? Why is it always a, an O? You know, it's always an O shape to put on mascara. I, I, don't, I don't get it. Why, why doesn't the glue stick to the inside of the bottle? I mean, it sticks to everything else. Why does it not stick to the inside of the bottle? Why have we never seen the headline, Psychic Wins Lottery? Why is that never a thing? I mean, that doesn't make sense. Surely they know the numbers. 
surely they know. Why do, you, why do they call it lipstick if you can still move your lips after you apply it? I don't get it. It doesn't make sense to me. Why is it that when we're looking for a, uh, a, a, an address or we're really focusing on where we go and we reach over and we turn the radio down? Why do we do that? That doesn't make sense to me. That doesn't help nothing, does it? Why do we invest all of our money in somebody called a broker? Shouldn't it be called make me richer? I mean, shouldn't that be something that it's called like that? Why is the, why is the day, the, the day, the time of day the, the, that is the slowest called rush hour? Doesn't make sense to me. We're stuck in traffic, but they call it rush hour. And the one that really gets me every time I start going down these deep theological questions is why is the word dictionary in the dictionary? That doesn't make sense to me. Why would that word be in that book? And I know those are silly, but there really are real times in our real lives, in our real situations, in our real circumstances that we say, you know what, this does not make sense. Let me ask you, are you in a situation now or have you ever been where you felt like your world was falling apart? And that this is just too much to bear. And you wonder, God, where are you? Right? God, this doesn't make sense to me. Where are you? If you've ever been in that place or if you're in that place today, I want to encourage you with this word today. I want you to take this word as God speaking to you today. Uh, There's a lot of things in our lives that don't make sense. But what, what happens when you are saying that to God, when you're saying, God, this that I'm in does not make sense. And I want to look at a story that, that we're probably really familiar with, and that's the story of Ruth. How many of you guys love the story of Ruth, right? I love the story of Ruth. There's so many things that we can take out of that story and apply to our lives and, and kind of help keep us going in the right direction. An amazing, amazing story. So what I want to do today is I want to pull out a truth out of the book of Ruth, out of her story, that we can apply to the situations that we find ourselves in where we say, that doesn't make sense. And the best place to start is at the beginning, right? That's the best place. So I want to read uh, Ruth chapter 1, verse 1. Ruth chapter 1. Verse 1, and it says this, In the days when the judges ruled in Israel, a severe famine came upon the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah left his home and went to live in the country of Moab, taking his wife and his two sons with him. We are introduced to this story of Ruth, and she's not even in the picture. We, we, we see that there's this family in Bethlehem that's, that's in a circumstance and in a situation that doesn't make sense to them. They're in the middle of a famine. This was not their plan. They don't live in Bethlehem to, to experience a famine. This, this, is, this is unsettling to them. This is, this is not making sense to them. And so this man, and I'm not going to try to pronounce all the words because I will butcher every name 
in the Old Testament, except for Ruth and sometimes Moses. I get that right. So, so I'm not going to worry with trying to pronounce their names, but there was this man, and he took his family, and he went to Moab. Now, he went to Moab not because God told him to, but because of the circumstance that he found himself in. He said, this circumstance in Bethlehem does not make sense to me. So I'm going to go try to find somewhere that does make sense. Moab, Moab does not have a famine. We're going there, right? It just makes sense to him. So he takes his family. Uh, his, uh, ah, I lost the word. Elimelech. There we go. That's his name. That's the husband's name, Elimelech, and his wife, Naomi. They have these two sons. They move from Bethlehem to Moab. In Moab, in the circumstance and the situation that is supposed to be making sense to them, something happens to Elimelech. His two sons, they grow up, and these two sons get married. And they get married. One of them gets married to the one that we now know of as Ruth. That's that's, one, that's where that story comes from. That's where it begins. That's our first introduction to them. So his two sons get married. Well, all of a sudden, Elimelech dies. He dies. And he leaves his wife, Naomi, a widow. So here it is. They are in a circumstance in Bethlehem that does not make sense to them. They come to Moab, not because God told them, but because they don't want to, they, they're trying to find something that makes sense to them. And all of a sudden, Naomi's husband dies. And he, when he dies 10 years later, after the, the kids are married and, and, and all of that, 10 years later, not one of Naomi's sons, but both of Naomi's sons die. So here she is in a land that is not hers. She's in Moab. She left a circumstance that just doesn't make sense to them. It just wasn't clear. It was unsettled to move to Moab where things were supposed to be better. And now this makes even less sense. Her husband's dead. Her two sons are dead. She's a widow. She's, she's lost her sons. She's stuck with these two, I'm sure, amazingly wonderful women, her, her daughter-in-laws. But this does not make sense. It just doesn't make sense to her. This, this doesn't make sense to, to Naomi. And, and Ruth did not enter this marriage thinking 10 years from now my husband is going to die. I don't guess. I don't know her. But, but I'm assuming that's not her plan, right? That's not any of our plans when we enter marriage hoping that our spouse dies in 10 years. But that's what happened. It doesn't make sense to her. This is not the plan. This is not how this was supposed to go. And so often, what happens to us when, when things are not turning out like we planned? When things seemed unsettled and confusing? Naomi did what a lot of us would want to do, and that's return to the last place that did make sense, to, that, that did go along with her plan, that was less confusing. confusing. Naomi wanted just to go home. This is not my home. This is less confusing than Bethlehem. So you know what? I want to go home. I just want to go home. So these three ladies, Naomi and her two daughter-in-law, set out on the journey back to Bethlehem. And along the way, they begin to have this conversation. And, and Naomi tries to tell them, y'all just go back to Moab, where y'all are from, start all over. Find new husbands, just start your life over. I'm going back to Bethlehem to my hometown, but Ruth begins to do something that doesn't make sense to Naomi. 
She tells Naomi the famous line that we all love, no, I'm staying with you, right? No, I am staying with you. And after some back and forth between Naomi and Ruth, Naomi and Ruth head to Bethlehem. The other daughter-in-law said, peace out, I'll take you on that bet, and I'm going back to Moab, right? But Ruth said, no, I'm staying with you, and, and begins to head back to Bethlehem. And, and I want to pick this up with our reading in, in uh, Ruth chapter 1, verses 19 uh, through 21. And it says this, So the two of them, that being Ruth and Naomi, continued on their journey back to Bethlehem. When they came to Bethlehem, the entire town was excited by their arrival. Is it really Naomi? The women asked. And I want you to listen to the response of Naomi. Don't call me Naomi, she responded. Instead, call me Mara, for the Almighty has made life very bitter for me. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me home empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has caused me to suffer and the Almighty has sent such tragedy upon me? Naomi is coming back home, but she's not coming back home the same person. She left Bethlehem looking. This situation didn't make sense, so she wanted to to go somewhere else that made sense, and now she's coming back home different, so different that she says, don't call me Naomi no more. Call me Mara because I am bitter now. This was Moab was supposed to be my answer. Moab was supposed to be my plan. Moab was supposed to be what settled me, and it wasn't supposed to be confusing, but it's even more confusing now. And I don't understand, and I don't get it. So don't call me Naomi. I'm coming home, but I'm coming home bitter. And I'm coming home not the same. And this is where things begin to shift. This is where things begin to shift because the wrong direction will always lead you to the wrong destination. The wrong direction will always lead you to that wrong destination. Naomi headed off to, to, uh, to Moab, and that was the wrong direction. Her destiny probably wasn't to be without a husband, to be without her two children, but she headed in the wrong direction, and she ended up at the wrong destination. She was supposed to be Naomi, and now her name is Mara. She doesn't have a husband. She doesn't have... She doesn't have two sons, and she just has this young lady with her. And that's it. That was not the goal. That was not the plan. But that's where she ended up. But what's really, really cool to me is that this is where the, the, the story begins to shift. This is where the, the focus comes off of Naomi and now on to Ruth. And why? Why does the shift begin to happen because God begins to show up in the middle of this circumstance, in the middle of this situation that is unsettling, this situation that doesn't make sense to them, this situation that is confusing to them. God 
El Shaddai, the God that is ample, the God that is adequate, the God that is more than enough, the God that has everything that we need when we need it begins to show up. And when God El Shaddai shows up in the middle of our circumstance, in the middle of our situation, whether it makes sense to us or not, whether it's unsettling to us or not, whether it's confusing to us or not, when God El Shaddai shows up, a shift happens, a shift changes and I just want to encourage you today if you're in the middle of a situation or a circumstance that this doesn't make sense to you if you are unsettled in the circumstance that you find yourself in if it is confusing to you just hang on because God El Shaddai the God who is adequate the God who is ample the God who is enough is about to show up and when he does show up there will be a shift in that circumstance and that's exactly what's happened in this story God has shown up and a shift begins to change now this story is no longer focused on Naomi who went away one way and has come back bitter now it is focusing in on Ruth and we're about to see the truth that Ruth is uncovering to us when we find ourselves in the middle of that circumstance in the middle of that situation Ruth ends up in the hometown of Naomi in Bethlehem, and this is not her place. These are not her people. This is not her custom. But she's going to be asked to do things by Naomi that, that, that are not what she wants to do, maybe. It's not the plan for her life that, that seemed to make her a little unsettled, a little confused. But we're going to see what her response is. She was asked at one point, and we're not going to read all the scriptures, but we, she was asked at one point by Naomi to go and gather grain. That was not Ruth's custom in Moab to do that. But Naomi asked her to do it, so what did Ruth do? She obeyed, didn't she? She went and she gathered grain. A man that we're about to find some uh, more information out about a little later, his, his name is Boaz, asked her to come eat a meal one night with all the men that had been working in the field gathering grain. That was not her custom. That is not comfortable for her. That's a little unsettling. That's a little confusing. But because Boaz asked her to do it, she did it. And I want to read to you Ruth chapter 3, verses 1 through 4, of another situation that she found herself in that was a little unsettling, that was a little... This doesn't make sense to me. So in verse 1, it says this. One day, Naomi said to Ruth, My daughter, it's time that I found a permanent home for you so that you will be provided for. Boaz is a close relative of ours, and he has been very kind by letting you gather grain with his young women. Tonight, he will be doing something. I don't know that word. Y'all see that word? Winnowing. Winnowing, I feel like a baby saying that, winnowing, uh, winnowing barley at the threshing floor. Now do as I tell you, all right, this is Naomi talking to Ruth. Now do as I tell you, take a bath, put on perfume, dress in your nicest clothes, then go to the threshing floor, but don't let Boaz see you until he has finished eating and drinking. Be sure to notice where he lies down. And here's the uncomfortable part. Then go and uncover his feet 
and lie down there. He will tell you what to do. How confusing. How, how this does not make, I'm going to go to some man and I'm going to watch as he does his thing throughout the day and then when he goes to sleep, I'm going to slip in there, uncover his feet and just lay there until he tells me what to do. No, I don't know about that. Now, I'll do anything, but I, you know, we're getting, crossing some lines here. But, but Ruth did it. She obeyed Naomi. And Ruth ends up, through these series of obediences, getting married to Boaz, the man that we just read about. And they have a son. And I want to read to you where this son leads us to. Look at Ruth chapter 4, verse 13. It says, So Boaz took Ruth into his home, and she became his wife. When he slept with her, the Lord enabled her to become pregnant, and she gave birth to a son. Now skip down to verse 17. The neighbor women said, Now at last Naomi has a son, and they called him Obed. And he became the father of Jesse and the grandfather of David. And if you watch and follow this genealogy of King David, from Obed to Jesse to King David, all the way down, you will run into a man named Joseph who through a virgin wife had a son and they called his name Jesus. They called his name Jesus, our Savior, our Deliverer, our hope, our Redeemer, our joy, our satisfaction. Everything that we could want in life came because of one woman's obedience. She did what she was told to do, and because of that, she had a son that led to our Savior, to our Savior. What do you do when it seems that God is not making sense to you? What do you do when you find yourself in a circumstance or a situation that doesn't make sense to you? Maybe you feel unsettled. Maybe you don't understand. Maybe it's not very clear. What do I do, God? You obey. You don't allow the circumstances that you find yourself in to determine the will of God for your life. You obey. I've heard people say, well, I didn't get that, so that must not be God's will for my life. Or, or this didn't work out, or that didn't work out. So this must not be God's will for my life. No. We have to obey in every circumstance that we find ourselves in. The circumstances that make sense to us and the ones that don't. The circumstances that are very clear to us and the ones that don't. We've got to obey when the ones that are settling to us and the ones that are not because look God has the advantage he can see two seconds two minutes two hours two days two weeks two months two years two decades down the road 
he doesn't get so caught up in our circumstances because he's already seen where we're headed. He has that advantage. He knows exactly how this thing ends up. We don't have that advantage. That's why we just obey. We obey. He has the advantage. We just have to obey. Corey, you can come on up, man. What do we do when the circumstances we find ourselves in doesn't make sense? We obey. We obey. In your direction of life, the course, the place that you're headed down, are you being led there by the circumstances that you find yourself in or in obedience to God? You'll never get to the right destination by going in the wrong direction. You have to obey. No matter what the circumstance or the situation, you have to obey. Do you feel like God did not do what you thought he would do? You know he can, but he didn't. What do you do? Have you allowed the circumstances you found yourself in, those confusing things that, don't, that you don't understand, the fact that this was not your plan, in fact, this is not making sense to you. Determine your obedience. Do you allow that to determine your obedience? And if you are, then this is the day you can get all of that corrected. You can right the ship. You never get to the right place by walking in the wrong direction. You never get to the right place you never get to God walking away from Him. You never get to the joy you need walking away from God. You have to walk to Him. You never get the hope you need walking away from God. You have to walk to Him. Do you need healing today? Walk to Him. Do you need strength today? Walk to Him. Don't worry about the circumstances and the situations you find yourself in. Walk to Him. He knows the answer. Are you confused today? Are you unsettled today? Walk to Him. It was true a million, billion, zillion years ago, and it's still true today. God is all that you need. That's it. And if that's the truth, then walk to Him. Don't run. Don't let the circumstances of your life dictate your obedience. Just walk to Him. Just walk to Him and let the God El Shaddai, the God that is adequate, the God that is enough show up in your life in the middle of that circumstance and shift it. He's the only one who can. Y'all stand with me. There will always be moments in our lives as long as you live that don't make sense. 
determine at this point moving forward that no matter the circumstance, no matter the situation, that you're just going to walk to Him. Don't, don't let the circumstances drive you away from God, but let it deepen your trust in Him, knowing that He's got you. He is God El Shaddai, the God that is so much more than enough. If that's you today and you find yourself in that circumstance or that situation and you want to get it right, these altars are open. And look, if there's anything else you need, man, our God has everything you need. So what do you need? Walk to him. Walk to him. Give it to him. Let him take care of it. He's got you. He is God El Shaddai. He's got this thing figured out. Let's just walk to him. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you and I praise you for your truth. I thank you for your word. I thank you for what you are doing in our midst. And I thank you for being God El Shaddai, the God that is more than enough. You are so much more than we could ever want, ever desire, ever long for. God, it's you. Everything is you. I pray, God, that you would help us in the middle of the circumstances that we find ourselves in, not to allow ourselves to be uh, determined or distracted or whatever, God, by the circumstance, but that we would just obey you and walk to you, Father. We thank you for it, Father. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. And give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.